0: get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Thursday, May 13th, and we are here to try to help you make sense of all the different financial decisions that you have to make throughout your day-to-day life. If you need a little help, if you need a little hand-holding, why don't you just send us an email? It's very easy. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Or you can send us a little note from our website, jillonmoney.com is the website. We've got lots of fun stuff there. Mark keeps it fresh. I keep writing stuff and doing, I'm like a one woman band with all the crap that I produce. I'm a content machine. And if you want to check it all out, go to jillonmoney.com. And if you're there and you've got a question, just hit the contact button and we would be delighted to help you out. So let's go through and do some emails. All right, here we go. We're starting at the top and we're going to Rose who writes, I'm trying to understand if I can or should convert my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. I'm 74 years old and I retired with just over $1.8 million in a traditional IRA that is invested in Vanguard mutual funds. And then there's also, uh, let's say about $19,000 in a Roth IRA with Vanguard and then just about $700,000 in Vanguard mutual funds. That's it's a good tidy sum, sum of change, huh? The required minimum distributions. This is a big one, Mark. Almost $74,000. Oh, so should she convert at this point? Well, she has, she, has, she has $700,000 in Vanguard mutual funds. So she could sell some of those. Here's a problem. So, if you had like a million dollars sitting in a cash account, in addition, you didn't say what how much of your uh, safe money you have. I don't know though, because I sort of feel like she didn't say whether she was married or single. But let's say that she's single right now. She's in the twenty two percent tax bracket. She's probably going to stay in the twenty two percent tax bracket. I'm not sure. I would do this. I like having her cash available, even if it's. I don't, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, Not to say it's too late, but it might be too late, baby, to quote Carol King. Unless you tell me that there's a whole pile of cash sitting around in cash or cash equivalents, then I'm going to be a hard no. All right. Lisa writes, I hope you're well and venturing out into the more open world. As Lisa from the Twin Cities, I've asked you for your advice a few times over the years. Here is my latest query. God willing and the creek don't rise. My husband who is 60 and I at 59 hope to retire when we both reach age 67. He makes three times what I do. So if we don't tap his social security until he turns 70, we will have my monthly payments of $2,000 per month when I retire and we'll need an additional $3,000 to cover our monthly needs. We currently have $1.1 1.1 million dollars in our pre-tax accounts and forty thousand dollars in an emergency reserve fund. So we need to supplement my Social security for two and a half years until we can tap his when we we would receive a little less than six thousand dollars combined, which would cover our monthly expenses. What's the best way to construct the bridge? Is cash king? Do we save $90,000 between now and respective retirements? We can save about $3,000 a month, or is there a better way? Yours and Mark's thoughts are most welcome. Mark, would you like to go first? I think cash is king for sure, Mark says, and I agree with him. So I think bang out the savings and pay the tax on it now, put it in your account, and yes, when you are looking at funding a need that you know you're going to have to tap, yes, indeed, it's going to be boring and you're going to keep it in a boring account. And uh, yeah, and then I would just save for it that way. And if for some reason you get more than you need, oh, wouldn't that be too bad? I'm just kidding. It would be fine. So don't worry about it. Good job. I like that. Good thinking. Carolyn writes Hey, Jill and Mark, I love your show. I've learned so much. I appreciate how you tell it like it is. So maybe you can help resolve a disagreement I'm having with my husband. By the way, I love weighing in on this. It's like being a shrink, but being able to call someone out and say you're wrong. (laughs) Okay. So. Carolyn and her husband have several IRAs, some traditional, some Roth, one inherited and one a rollover. They've all done very well. And my husband feels we should harvest some of the gains within the accounts so we can lock them in. We're 55. We don't need the money for a while. He feels the market will soon go down. You know what? He had me before that sentence and now I'm going to, now I'm going to have to weigh in differently. Okay. So the husband thinks the market's going to go down and that they should reinvest the cash then. I'm going to just pause. The husband thinks the market will go down soon and then they're going to be able to magically, because the the fairy godmother of when to time the market will tap him on the shoulder and let him know. He says, I don't want to go crazy. Just 5 or 6% of our gains. Is it worth doing this? Okay, it is market timing. You're right. So I get it's not the majority of your portfolio. You know what you should do? Forget about this silliness why don't you just rebalance the portfolios? Because I presume that whatever's going on means that you have actually been able to make a bunch of money. So maybe you're out of whack. That's what I would do. Just rebalance. Okay. Really just rebalance. All right. Um, Who's up next here? A. who says, I didn't receive the $1,400 stimulus check and I was supposed to. Uh, what should I do? Oh, well, this is an easy one. And since you have, you know, moments to go before this happens, you should file taxes right now, right? The filing deadline, May 17th, and you will look at line 30 of the form 1040. Line 30 is the recovery rebate credit, and that will help you get the money that you were either shortchanged or the full amount, okay? And if you didn't receive the $600 stimulus, then same thing. I don't know if the $600 is this year or next year, but anyway, fi- file the recovery rebate credit because you want it to be on record with the IRS. Second, I'm a first-time home buyer and I'm single. Should I sit this season out since the prices are skyrocketing due to COVID and demand? How are you buying a a house if you were getting a stimulus check? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I'd need to know more about what's going on in your life. If you're stretching beyond your budget, then don't do anything. Absolutely don't, okay? All right. Logan writes, uh, the loan servicer of my student loan for the last 10 years exited the student loan business, transferred it to another servicer, and my credit score dropped 20 points after the now former loan servicer reported a closed account. Oh, God. When I called the credit agencies, they said that my score will decrease again when the new loan servicer actually reports the loan because it will be looking like a new loan. And they said there's nothing they can do. How frustrating, he says, since I've paid this account diligently and on time for 10 years and my actions and credit worthiness have not changed. I said he, it may be a she, I don't know. I'd be grateful to know the steps I can take to restore my credit score. I hate this practice also. I hate that these credit agencies have so much power. This is me editorializing, Logan. Um, There's not much you can do. Like The whole deal with credit scores is about paying on time, not opening new credit, but this is ridiculous. You know what I would do though? Let's make a complaint. How about we lodge a complaint to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? What do you think about that, Mark? And put it in there and see if we get enough people to pay attention to it. I would do that. I would, I would go to the CFPB. You know, they're going to have a new person at the Department of Education who's an ombudsman, essentially. Um, and it's the guy who used to run the CFPB, Richard Cordray. And he's basically going to be the guy who's managing student loans. This stinks. Right. Mark thinks that after a few cycles, your score may come up back up. But that's a ridiculous response to say that should not happen. If that credit reporting agencies are saying that, then that tells me is that they have to make an adjustment on their end. Anyway. Uh, B in Seattle says, I've listened to you religiously for at least 10 years and probably longer. Oh, that's so nice. I love your and Mark's amazing podcast. I've learned so much for you over the years. I've tried to adopt your investing philosophies. Here's my question. I'm sitting on some hefty long-term capital gains in a taxable Schwab account. Although I'm mostly in index funds, I do have a couple of individual stocks, one of which I'm overweighted in. I want to sell off some of the individual stock and balance into a bond fund. The stock was part of an employee stock purchase plan. So I have lots of different purchase prices for it. Oh, my question, what shares do I sell? The high cost basis or the low ones? At first I thought, of course, sell the lots with the highest cost basis to pay the lowest in taxes. But then another part of me thinks, wait, with capital gains rates so low, maybe I should sell off the stock with the lowest cost basis so as to pay as much of the gains as possible at this low rate, kind of like how you pay your taxes today when you're converting a Roth and pay less in taxes in the future, hopefully. Okay. He would be in the 18.8% capital gains bracket, no capital gains tax at the state level. Hmm. And you might be wondering, what is that 18.8, by the way, because it's, it's 15% plus if you have a modified adjusted gross income over 250,000 if you're a joint filer 200,000 dollars a single filer you pay that medicare sur- surtax on your capital gains you know what i'm going to say go for the lower cost basis i think 18.8 is low i know i wouldn't do it all at once i would just make sure that you can manage it and you have the money to pay the tax the other thing you can do is wait a minute If you're charitable, what I would do is I would use the lower cost basis stock to gift to a charity because I'm reading through here and the value is over a million dollars. Maybe it's time for you to use a donor advised fund. I I don't know. I feel like if you have a million dollars in company stock, you might be a charitable person. I just... I'm just saying, I think so. That's it for the program. And thanks so much for listening. And uh, we are always here for you. So if you have any sort of financial, investment, tax, career, um, housing, you know, general real estate questions, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's askjill at jillonmoney.com. And if you're on the website, Click the contact button and we will get your note. Don't forget, if you'd like to come on the program with us, let us know. Mark will do all the rest. It's so easy. Don't forget to wash your hands, to wear those masks, and maintain your physical distancing if you're inside. I keep wearing my mask outside, but I'm a little bit more liberal with it, Mark. Now, if no one's around, I kind of push it down at my chin. The reason why I have it is that I don't want to shove it in my pocket and forget it, so I just have it around my my very large ears so that I can get to it quickly if I go into a store. All right. With that said, lift somebody up today, please. It's just so good for your soul. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.